Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. You're listening to Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Now it's behind the goal line. Gambrell skating for it, but Hamannick reverses it, and it goes off the stick of Thornton on the pass to center, but Big Joe gets it back and turns back in. Lead pass, Burns busting in. Slap shot, score! Brent Burns, a bomb! Point number 500 as a San Jose Shark off of Joe Thornton's perfect pass, and the Sharks have tied the game 1-1. The Flames watches the Sharks make changes. Calgary putting fresh skaters out, too. Here's a headman feed chance for Anderson moving in. Good play by Carlson to force it back. Hamannick the drive. What a save by Dell. Got the arm on it as Travis Hamannick had a golden chance to put the Flames even. Here comes Marlow up the right, moving to the middle. Across the line, lead on the left, Kane. Shoots it back for the goal. Save made there by Riddick. Marlow gets the rebound behind the net. In front, Kane shoots, score! Top corner for Evander Kane on the assist to Barkley Goodrow and Patrick Marlow. And Evander Kane puts the Sharks in front, 2-1. to one. Here comes Sorensen with Latuna off, faking the shot across the line. Lead pass, Eric Carlson shoots right on. Turnaround shot, Latuna. He scores! Maxime Latunov, perfect position, gets the rebound and scores his first National Hockey League goal to put the Sharks in front 3-2. In the first month that I was here, I think we found ways to beat ourselves, and, and that was the biggest thing is, you know, if we play with the lead, you know, we, get, we got to play the game right way, chip bucks behind them, and you know, get on the forecheck, and don't sit back, and, uh, you know, I thought we did a good job. You know, Timo, Timo Thornton, they had a great, uh, you know, a really good game. They, they responded when we needed to. Um, you know, we sit, they got the, that third goal, and, um, you know, maybe about a month ago, we might have sat back and been like, oh, here they come, and, uh, you know, those guys went out there and took care of business. They got another one, and then we, we took all the momentum back, and, uh, I think you saw the way that we played, and that's the way that we we have to play, um, you know, to continue down the stretch. All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tide. I'm your host, Ted Ramey, and I swear to God, this show has turned into the bipolar Ted and how he's reacting to the week in Sharks that was. One week, I feel like I'm coming off the worst news in the world, whether it's an injury to Logan Couture, whether it's an injury to Tomas Hurdle, whether it's an 0-3 road trip to head into the All-Star break, whether it's the entirety of the month of October, whether it's the entirety of the month of November, followed by December. I mean, just the back and forth in every week, it's an entirely new team I feel like I'm talking about, and that's what makes it so frustrating. You watch what the Sharks just did going on the road, going against two good teams. I'm not saying either was a great team. I'm not saying either team was an unbeatable team. I'm not saying either of those teams is the best in the NHL or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is, if this depleted Sharks team in a year that has done nothing but bury them under negativity, if this Sharks team can go out onto the road and beat those two teams, I I view that as a very positive thing. And I say to myself, you know what? The Sharks are going to be home Monday against the same Flames team that they just beat. Okay, let's see what this Sharks team can do. Because they get a little bit of rest in the schedule. I feel like it's kind of going their way. Yeah, they've got to go back out onto the road and 
take care of business the best that they can. But I just, I watch this team over and over and over. Show me signs that they are better than what we've seen up to the course of this year. Of course, I will qualify that by saying the Sharks have also shown me plenty of evidence that they're nowhere near as good as I perceive them to be at certain times. Because when we look at the entirety of the Sharks season, we're seeing a team that has had moments, however brief that they have been, but moments where they have looked like a really good team. Like they have looked like a team that should be in the playoffs, that they look like a team that should be capable of going in on any night and beating the opposition. But those have been more of the momentary, streaky, short, brief windows of what we see from the Sharks. The majority of what we've seen from this year has been a Sharks team that, like I said last week, is just good enough to lose. They'll collapse in the third period. They'll collapse in the last minute of the third period. They'll get buried early in periods. They'll get buried late in periods. They'll give up goals right after scoring a goal. They'll do whatever they have to to put themselves in a bad situation to where eventually the end result will be a loss. And it's this bipolar dichotomy of the Sharks that just makes for unbelievably frustrating viewing, unbelievably frustrating coverage, but at the same time, you can't let go of the hope. You can't let go of the feeling that the Sharks team that's out there, even when it's got younger guys, even when it's got unproven characters, because you have the will and the fortitude of guys like Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, Evander Kane, you go down the list, those guys, they all have something to prove. Eric Carlson doesn't want to hear people talk about his contract. Brent Burns doesn't want people talking about him going back to being a forward. You, you go down the list. You know, Mark Edward Vlasic, people talk about him getting older, and he wants to sh- still go out there and show that he's one of the best shutdown defenders in the NHL on any given night. These things, this pride, this ego, whatever you want to call it, I'm not viewing it as a negative because it's kept the Sharks' hope up. And when I'm in there and I'm talking to a Mark Edward Vlasic after a game or when I'm talking to Tomas Hurdle after the All-Star game or when I'm watching Brent Burns address the media after a game and he says every game is big from here on out, these aren't platitudes. They're not trying to pacify a Sharks fan base that's been still cheering for them through what has been a rough season. I 100% believe that they think they can get themselves back into this. I 100% believe that there is still a chance. And again, I go till the day I die. I am always a believer of until you are eliminated, you are still alive. And that's why I'm not surprised that we are seeing this push from the Sharks team. And I I have a feeling that they're going to make things interesting, and I don't know if it's going to be enough. That's the thing I keep on worrying about, that I think that there is going to be a push towards the end of the season where the Sharks are going to fight like hell and they're going to put themselves in a position to where when they don't make the playoffs, we're going to say, oh, it was that loss against Washington or, oh, it was the, you know, whatever loss you want to plug in there. Oh, it was the game you had a 2-1 lead entering the third or it was this, you know, we're going to do that. We're going to do the second-guessing game. We're going to go back. People are going to say, oh, well, this move shouldn't have been made and this guy shouldn't have been signed. You're going to go down because that's what we do in sports. We second-guess and we totally ruminate about things we should never be ruminating on, things that are not healthy for us to ruminate upon. And I mean healthy in the sense that just as a, as a fan or anything like that, I don't mean actual health. But this is what we do. We second-guess, we go back, we think about where things could have gone better, we think about where things went worse, we think about disappointments, upswings, things that should have been done sooner, things that should have been done later. Listen, we can play it time and time and time again in our head. 
I'll tell you one thing I do know right now. Arendelle's got to be in front of the net as much as possible. And I have long been a supporter of Martin Jones, and I think that there is still a guy that can be salvaged there. But with Arendelle right now, the more he's on the ice, the better the goalie he is. The more confident goalie he is. The more at ease he looks. And he's been making big stops. He's been making big plays. He's been getting wins, and that hasn't been there with Martin Jones. And again, Martin Jones has carried this Sharks team deeper than anybody else. He stepped up so big in the postseason last year that it was one of the more incredible things I've seen because his performance through the first half of that Vegas series, it was like, what on earth am I watching right now? And then suddenly he flipped a switch, and he was awesome. I'm not going to forget that. I can't just say, well, what have you done lately? Because I know what Martin Jones has been at certain points of his career for the San Jose Sharks. But right now, for whatever reason, he's not capable of being that guy. So you got to go with the hot hand, and that's going to be Aaron Dell. Now, there are some situations coming up where two times before the end of the month, the Sharks are going to have three games in four days. So you're going to see Jones out there. And he's going to use those as opportunities to prove himself once again because I don't think that he's psychologically defeated. I don't think that he's no longer the player that he once was. He's just going through a rough patch right now, and I hope he figures it out. But he's had his opportunity to figure out with a greater percentage of starts, and so you have to make that change, and that's why it's got to be Dell as much as possible. And I don't have a problem with that. You can't keep on repeating the same, I'm not even going to say mistake, This you can't do the same thing over and over and over and expect different results. What do we say when you do that? That's the definition of insanity. When you do the same thing over and over and expect something to change, that's not how the San Jose Sharks want to be defined. They want to be the team that's smarter. They want to be the team that's better. They want to be the team that can adjust and put the best opportunity to win on the ice, night in, night out, season in, season out. That's what we've seen from the San Jose Sharks for almost the entirety of their existence. They want to be in the picture to win it all every single year, and that's part of why what we've seen this year from the Sharks has been so discouraging, has been so troubling, because we all know that our expectations at the start of training camp and when the calendar flips to March and that regular season starts winding down, you're thinking playoff positioning from day one, you're thinking that of game 82. You're thinking about who's hot. You're thinking about acquisitions of the trade deadline. You're thinking about what you can do to fine-tune this team so that they can make a deep run. And that's just not been the reality. But I'm still not giving up hope. And I kind of like some of the desperation that I'm seeing from this team. I kind of like the fact that Stefan Nason, he's getting an opportunity that he wasn't previously getting. And I like what I see out of him. I like that I see that fight and fire and desire from him night in, night out to prove himself. I like that we've seen that from Maxime Latunov, who we're going to talk to a little bit later. I like that we're seeing Patrick Marlos continue to prove that at his age, he's still a capable player. I love that Joe Thornton is racking up ridiculous amounts of points and climbing all-time lists because he still is one of the best passers in the NHL because he still sees the entirety of the ice better than almost anyone in the league. Like, we've seen that narrative in sports where it's the cast-offs and the misfits, and I'm not classifying this team as anything like that right now, but I do think there is a mentality that sometimes I see where these guys all know that the reinforcements aren't coming, and they all know that things have not gone according to plan this year. They all know there's a level of underperformance, and when we talk about the same ego and pride that has allowed them to hold on and go into Canada and beat the Flames and beat the Oilers, 
I think that same ego that keeps them at this level is the same thing that's making them realize I cannot represent myself this way. I have to be better than I have been. I have to be the player that I'm capable of being. I mean, it's a double-edged sword sometimes. Sometimes pride, sometimes ego can lead you to underperform. But right now, I think that pride, I think that ego for a lot of these Sharks players is coming into play because they're saying to themselves, this isn't us. This isn't what we do. This isn't Sharks hockey. We don't pile up losses in January. We don't pile up losses in February. We position ourselves for the playoffs year after year after year. So while I won't classify it as castoffs and misfits, I think it's more of an idea that these guys are too full of arrogance and swagger, and I mean that in the best way, to go down without a fight. Like, these guys are looking at themselves and saying, we're better than this, and they know it, and we know it, and the league knows it. Like, bad as the Sharks have been this year, nobody in the NHL wants to play them. Nobody wants to deal with what the Sharks are capable of doing on any given night. Nobody wants to see Brent Burns and Eric Carlson come into their house, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, Evander Kane, Mark Edward Vlasic. Nobody wants to see these guys. They didn't want to see Logan Couture when he was healthy. They didn't want to see Tomas Hurdle when he was healthy. They don't want to see Timo Meyer. They don't want to see any of these guys. They don't want to see any of these guys because the league knows what they're capable of. Just as these guys know themselves what they as a player and they as a team are capable of. The Sharks have been in games. They have lost in the third period. The Sharks are not a terrible team. The Sharks are an underperforming team. And this is the thing that I keep on going back to all year long is it's like how much of a correction is there going to be to how much of what we've seen that's not where our expectations are. And I think that there was probably a pendulum swing in the wrong direction, too far in one direction in December and a lot of January. And maybe now you can see some pendulums swing back the other way. And as much as a reaction of me is to go to that and say, well, Ted, (laughs) buddy, you're on the payroll. You're not going to say it's over. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of Sharks fans. There's a lot of hockey people that I've talked to out there who say the same things that I do. That, yes, this team has a two-faced nature. One day, they are not a good team in the slightest. They look like they're incapable of doing much right, if anything, over the course of a game. And then a game later, they look dangerous. They look on top of their game. They look like they have a plan to enact, and they go out there and they do it. And they look like they're capable of getting really good goaltending from Aaron Dell. But like I said, it's the two-faced nature of this team to throw all that thinking right back in my face and say, good Lord, Ted, why did you ever have any hope at all? Such is the life of a man who works for the Sharks, and such is the life of a person who is a fan for the Sharks. I'm in the same boat as you guys are. You know, I live for certain things in sports, and one of them is the Sharks, particularly in playoff hockey. The Stanley Cup playoffs every year bring us unparalleled levels of drama unlike anything else, and when I'm able to watch the Sharks in that environment, in that arena, that's about as good as it gets for me. I'm not going to lie about that in the slightest. You play the regular season to get that opportunity to enter that arena, which is almost beyond parallel, which almost nothing is at its equal. And I listen, I think the highest level of all sports all have their pluses and minuses, and I'm not going to try and make that argument. That said, watching the Sharks in Stanley Cup playoff hockey is phenomenal, 
and I want to see that. I want this season to build to that opportunity for us all to be able to watch it. And honestly, how am I supposed to feel on a night where I watch Aaron Dell go out and make 30 saves as the Sharks once again have a come-from-behind victory 3-1 over Calgary? Am I, am I just supposed to ignore nights like that where Joe Thornton racks up assists, where Kevin LeBanc and Evander, Evander Kane do what they're supposed to do, where Kevin LeBanc continues to evolve into the player like we expect him to be? I can't just overlook that. I can't just ignore it. And then two nights later, after being in Calgary, they go into Edmonton to take on the Oilers. They fall down 2 nothing early. And what do they do? Maybe earlier in the year, that would have been the death knell. That would have been it. But instead, they come roaring back. They score five straight goals and power their way to a 6-3 win. Was it perfect? No, but it's not supposed to be perfect. They're on the road playing a really good team. They're not supposed to win that game, but they did anyway. They won it anyway because, again, people talk about being prideful, being arrogant, having an ego about you. People say this too often as being negative in their connotation. But for the Sharks right now, I think it's fueling a great deal of this. I think there has been a lot of hurt ego and a lot of pride that's saying, we can't go down like this. We're not going to go down without a fight. And I love it. I think it's adding an interesting paradigm to the season. I think it's adding a new element that we haven't really seen lately. I think the closest we got to this last year was when they played like crap for three straight games against Las Vegas, and then they turned on the Jets, and they came roaring back. Or you could even look at the game that they were down 3 nothing in the third period when Pavelski goes down, and suddenly the team explodes. I don't care if it wasn't the greatest call ever. They still performed in that moment. I think that's pride. I think that's ego. I think there is a little bit of arrogance about it to say, you know what, it doesn't matter how bad it looks, we can do it anyway. And people might say that's unrealistic of me to view it that way, but listen, I mean, I get that sense when I talk to these guys. I can't ignore what I'm seeing from these guys. I can't ignore the words that are coming out of their mouths. Like Brent Burns, when he's saying they're all big games, it's like he wants to say, come on, man, are you serious? You think I'm not treating this like it's as big as it is? You think I'm just giving up? You think that I've gotten to this point in my career where I can just roll over, where I can just play dead and just coast into the offseason. That's not who these guys are. That's not why they've been able to force themselves into the playoffs and make deep run after deep run after deep run. It's not part of the Sharks' DNA. Losing is not a part of the Sharks' DNA. But here's the thing. I don't know what we're going to be talking about in a week's time. <laughs> that's, that's the funny thing right now. It's like every other week... It's something good, then it's something bad. Then it's something good, then it's something bad. And I don't, I've learned enough through this year that I'm not going to make the claim that it's going to be another good week when we chime in again on Monday. But maybe it will be. I'm hoping that a week from today that I will be at an early Sharks game looking for them to continue what has been a positive streak of play. Not betting money on it though, but I'm hopeful. And we saw the Jumbo Meyer LeBanc line working pretty well, but am I going to bet money that it's going to be working well a week from now? I don't know. Aaron Dell's been pretty good. Am I going to bet money that it's going to be good a week from now? I don't know. I mean, that's the reality of the 2019-2020 Sharks. There hasn't been the consistency. There has not been the reliable entity from game in, game out, or week in, week out, I should say. Because we've seen little streaks of quality play. I'm not denying that. 
But there hasn't been longevity associated with that. It's been brief. And the majority of the time, it's been disappointment for a team that I come back to is it's a lazy take, but it's like they're just good enough to lose. Yet, here we are where I watch a team where I think if they can string something together, they'll put themselves right back into this conversation. And I just don't think it's that crazy to say that. I really, really don't. All right. Let's shift gears. And let's get into a man who, well, uh, did this last week. After four in the first period, Sorensen, Carlson, save, rebound, they score! And Maxime Latunov scores his first National Hockey League goal. All right, we now have joining us on Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. It is Maxine Latunov who joins us now after making his NHL debut and scoring his first ever goal. He's got a couple of games under his belt now with Team Teal at the NHL level. Maxine, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, man. And like a lot of other uh people covering the Sharks and rooting for the Sharks. I think everybody was really excited to get see you get in there and immediately make an impact. I guess just, you know, take it through your eyes, the the, the, the rise of finally getting up to the NHL level and getting this opportunity in light of, you know, the injuries that have beset the Sharks and immediately you're able to go out there and, you know, score that first ever NHL goal. If you could just take us through that that first opportunity for you. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, it's it's dream come true. You know, playing, just not just playing, you know, in the first game, but uh, scoring so fast, you know, in the second game, it's an uh, unbelievable feeling. Um, you know, I've, uh, obviously, you've been working very hard to get the call up, and uh, um, it wasn't happen. It's just, uh, like I said, dream come true, and uh, I'm happy, uh, you know, these past two games went really well, and uh, hopefully uh, to keep it going. I know you said after the the goal you scored in the second game that it was maybe 4 a.m. in in Moscow, but that you thought your parents were up and watching, that a lot of people were up and watching. Have you had a chance to talk to your family uh, since then? Yeah, I've talked to you know, so many people in the past couple of days. You know, texts uh, and calls uh, come in nonstop. It's uh, you know, it's a it's a good feeling uh, that people you know recognize, especially even friends from back home and uh, um, from uh, like AAA uh, times they played with, you know, guys are still uh, keep in touch. Uh, that's awesome. So, but yeah, like you said, uh, family been watching and uh, everyone's uh, very happy. Yeah. Very cool stuff, man. And, uh, you know, I just, I love the fact that also hockey has such a huge place in the sporting culture of Russia. I mean, that just, that, that means so much, I would imagine, to the, the people you grew up with and a lot of the people that you haven't seen as much since you came to the United States uh, in high school and you started playing for, I believe, the U16 for the Stars. And then, you know, your career's been on, a, on an upward trajectory since then. But, I mean, this is, I would imagine for you, it's more than just your personal achievements. You view as, as a whole of a, a lot of people that have taken a role in, in getting you to this point well absolutely you know it's uh like i said even from uh u16 times uh like like i said before as well guys keep in touch and they they help me a lot along the way and uh, um I, I try to you know talk to as many people as i can right now and uh um you know say thank you to people who mean a lot to me and uh you know it's overall a great time 
when you moved here in, in high school and you're obviously everybody that you're playing with on the ice, they all speak the language of hockey. But, you know, I would imagine there was a language barrier for you. Did, did you have any familiarity with English uh, before you moved here? Uh, I did, yes. Um, you know, I, I took some classes when I was back in Russia. Uh, but uh, it's, it's all, you know, just basics. Uh, um, you know, I didn't know a lot of vocabulary. I, uh, I was able to com- communicate, but not uh, not very well. But obviously the teammates and just, you know, being around people uh, who speak English all the time uh, helped a lot. And, uh, um, you know... I'm I'm still learning, but uh, I think I came a long way. Yeah, no, man, you sound great to me. And you know, also, I think the the other aspect of that is it's it's hard to make such a life shift like that, especially in those age age groups when you are a, a teenager, which are very formative years. I, I, you know, I would imagine that for a guy who's able to be around teammates and have hockey as that background, that probably helped your transition into you know what we describe as American culture. Well, absolutely. I mean. Coming to America at 15, you know, not knowing much uh, English or just, you know, it's completely different culture. So it's uh, it's been a crazy turnaround, but uh, the guys on the team helped a lot. You know, they uh, welcomed uh, to their homes and uh, hung out with me as much as they could uh, to help me out because uh, they know if they would, would have came to Russia, you know, they, <laughs> it would have been tough for them as well. So. Um, you know, they helped helped uh, a lot. And now we're looking at another transition in your career where previously uh, you you had played for the Barracuda and now you've got this opportunity to come from the Barracuda to the Sharks. And obviously I would imagine one of the things that's made that so comfortable is the fact that Roy Sommer is now on, you know, the coaching staff of the San Jose Sharks. Was it nice to know that he would be there when you did come up with the team? Yes, for sure. That uh, you know, that makes uh, a lot of a big difference because uh, no matter where you come in, you want to feel comfortable, comfortable right away. But uh, like you said, you know, Roy and uh, Rich were, were there, and uh, a lot of a lot of guys from Barracuda as well. So uh, it was uh, it's, it's been pretty uh, easy transition, and uh, the older guys are you know welcome very well and uh, helping uh, as much as they can as well yeah I'm just curious from from your point of view because you're a young guy you're 23 years old I mean I I kind of laugh because when I was 15 years old Patty Marlowe was coming up he was a rookie with the Sharks in 1997 and I was you know a freshman in high school and I remember him immediately being an impact player and now here I am you know 20 some odd years later I'm 37 and I'm still watching him being an impact player and I'm watching Joe Thornton same thing with him and you know I get to go out there to the arena and watch guys like Eric Carlson or Evander Kane or any of the you know the the many many big names that we associate with the San Jose Sharks and I'm just curious for you like what that what that feels like when you are you know sitting on the bench and you look down and you see a Joe Thornton or or an Eric Carlson those those type of situation because that's that's part of it when you're a kid you you dream about those opportunities to sit down next to these huge names in the in sport and and it remains a dream for most people except you've made that a reality well, it's 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 unreal, you know. You, there is so much history uh, between those players, and uh, you know, even uh, uh, during my second game, you know, Joe uh, got another record, right? Yeah. So it's uh, just to be part of it, being in the locker room, uh, 
you know means a lot and it's, it's a cool thing uh, to be a part of as well I'm curious uh, growing up who were your were your favorite hockey players did you stick with you know the Ovechkins or the Larianoff or did you look uh, at the were you following the KHL and the NHL and the NHL and players from all over the world or who who were your main guys yeah it's uh, I, I get that question a lot you know but um I always kind of just watch hockey in general. I didn't really stick to one guy in general. You know, I was always uh, kind of curious and uh, was watching everything, you know, uh, not not a particular guy. So I guess if I have to go with uh, one guy I like to watch, it was uh, Evgeny Malkin. Yeah. Um, so I think I think uh, my game kind of could, could relate. Uh, not yet. But I think I'm getting there, so uh, that would be my pick. Have you found that there are, are differences in terms of the styles and the way that guys learn? Like when you're out there on an ice, on the ice, do you play against guys and you say, "Oh, that I can tell that he's a product of the American system," or I can tell they're a product of the Canadian system or the Finnish system or the Russian or the Russian system? Do you see certain styles of players that is kind of defines the nationality from which they come from or do you, or do you see players as more individualistic uh no you can for sure tell you know by the way people play how how they learn the game and uh, uh how they develop you know it, it, it's more like you can see a european style and yeah you can see more north american style but uh um every every player is unique and uh um, it's it's good to learn from uh, uh, a lot of players. And in terms of comparing the NHL versus the AHL, when I go to Barracuda games and when I've called games at the AHL level, I still see so much of the speed. I still see so much of just the uh, same ability out there on the ice. But to me, it looks like there's just that next step of fluidity in the NHL level where the there's not as many stoppages where – passes are just a little bit more crisp would you is that an accurate assessment or is there is there more to it than that general crisp play or the the accuracy of what you're seeing from the guys is there another aspect of what you've seen now at the nhl level versus the ahl yeah i think you're right i think for me personally the biggest thing was is uh uh just the, the game plays a little bit faster uh than even american league um that's one big takeaway so far for me. And I think the second one is uh, the guy, like if you go to the right spots, the guys will always find you there. So um, the guys always know where you are, where you at at all times on the ice. And uh, it makes a lot of, a lot more fun to play as well. Yeah. And now for you, you've, You've earned this opportunity because you've been on this upward trajectory since you came here as a 15, 16 year old, and you've, you know, you've done it at the U16s. You've played for UConn. You, you make your way up, and now you're here at the NHL level. Obviously, there's any number of things that can happen over the course of a career. I mean, Tomas Hurdle goes from a couple weeks ago being the star of the All Star game, and then a couple of days later. You know he's dealing with another, you know, big knee injury, and we never know what's going to happen. But how are you viewing this? Like, are you telling yourself this is what I have to do to make sure I stay at this level, or are you not looking at it in that much of a segmented position and just trying to take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way? Yeah, I think you you got to take it uh, take it day by day and uh, appreciate what you have right now and uh, 
not look uh, too much in uh, you know in front of you and you gotta you gotta stick with the process and uh take it day, day by day and uh, one practice at a time one game at a time and uh um you do those things you figure out what works what doesn't and i uh, think that uh, uh ultimately will uh, lead to success Awesome, man. Well, I will let you go because I know you want to get some rest in before things get going again uh, tomorrow night. But I love what I'm seeing from you so far, man. I, I know that everybody's really liked uh, what you've been able to bring to the ice, and it's a great story. And I uh, wish you nothing but the best in the future, and I'll uh, see you at the tank soon. All right, man? All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Maxime Latunov, again, one of the future stars of the Sharks, in my opinion, and a guy who I'm excited we got to get a look at. We're going to see more of him, and that's what we get out of these opportunities with injury. Yes, you never want to see Tomas Hurdle or Logan Couture out for extended periods of time, but you want to see the organization have the next guy in line to come up and have his opportunity, and that's what we're seeing with Latunov. That's what we're seeing with Blickfeld. It's just how you want your organization to be structured. You don't want to be at a point where you don't have these next guys to come up and give these opportunities to. The Sharks are in a position to do so, and they're seeing what they have in a lot of these young guys. So, again, great talking to Maxime. Love his story. Coming over to Russia in his high school years, getting going with Dallas, then getting drafted by St. Louis, getting traded to the Sharks, working his way to this position where now playing in NHL games and scoring at least one goal. And, you know, I'd like to see him score more, and things are not going to get any easier for the Sharks. I mean, I talk about this and say that I want to see the Sharks make this push. Well, I mean, this is the time. They have 10 games left in the month of February. Only four of them are at home. And while you end the month on the start of a nice homestand, if you don't do what needs to be done by the time you get to that homestand, it's not going to feel as good. You will see the end in sight. You will feel the sword of Damocles hanging over your head, and you will feel that a season has slipped away, albeit not because you didn't have the talent, but because injuries and poor play struck you down. But it's something we've seen with this team. There is part of this core that performs better with their backs against the wall. There's the fact that these guys have forced themselves into a situation where for their own egos and their own pride, I feel like they are performing. You know, there's a lot that can happen between now and the end of the season. And there's a lot of games yet to be played. And yes, it has not been a consistent season up to this point. But again, why not have it start to turn consistent now? Why not start to see the things that you've been hoping from the Sharks to turn consistent actually become consistent? I mean, if Aaron Dell is giving you these quality performances every time he's in front of the net, then why can't that be something we come to expect? Why can't we come to expect guys to play at a level we've previously seen them play at? It doesn't sound crazy when you say it like that. When all is said and done, I might think I was crazy to have felt this way, but I'm going to ride this out till the finish, and I'm not going to be surprised if we're going to have a lot more to talk about than we maybe expected by the time February is done, and then... Let's see what happens in the month of March. It's been up. It's been down. It's been two sides of a coin. It's been anything but what we've expected. The 2019-2020 Sharks keep us entertained at the very least. All right, that wraps it up for this week's edition of Morning Tide. A big thank you to Maxime Latunov for taking some time out of his Sunday to chat with me and thusly all of you. A big thanks 
to all of you for tuning in as always and to the San Jose Sharks for making this show a reality. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. We'll be right back.